Turn in your Bibles to the book of Nehemiah. Look tonight at the joy of the Lord. They come back from the Babylonian captivity in the 8th chapter. They were rebuilding Jerusalem in the Lord's house. They had their worship service. Verse 1, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man in the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses which the Lord had commanded to Israel. Skip on over to verse 8. So they read the book in the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused him to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is a Tershatha, which means governor, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions to them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let us pray. We thank thee, our Heavenly Father, for the forgiveness of sins that's in thy lambs, shed blood, sending him to bear away our sins. We thank thee for the promise of eternal life. We plead thy mercy. We thank thee for the guiding and leading Holy Spirit. We just ask you to forgive us where we fail thee. We pray for those that are not in our midst. Keep your protective hands upon them, our pastor and his family, as well as others. Grant repentance to loved ones that are lost. We pray for our country that you'd have mercy upon it. We pray that you'd be pleased to grant us leaders that would fear and honor thee. Guide us in our endeavors to serve thee. Keep us from evil. Forgive us for we fail thee. Help us to exalt the name of Christ above every name. Worship thee in spirit and in truth. For it's in Christ's name through the power of the Holy Spirit we ask. And amen. The joy of the Lord, the man that we read of in Matthew 25 that went to seek a kingdom, when he returned to reward his servants, told two of them, well done, enter into the joy of the Lord. How do we get that joy of the Lord? It's what everybody wants is joy. Here, they understood the law. That's the chief teaching that they received. And they understood it, and they were glad. Not everybody understands God's Word. There's things that's hard to be understood in some cases. Election, we all know what trouble that causes in some people. In verse 1, it says they were before the water gate, which is a type of Christ, the water of life. We know from the Gospel of John, namely the fourth chapter, where he spoke Jacob's well. The first half of the book of Nehemiah deals, we ain't going to read it, it deals with the reconstruction of the house of God. 
and the reinstruction of the people. The outward show of a person is indicative of their inward condition, and that's seen here. They were gathered as one man. They came, want to understand that it was raining, heavy rain. They didn't give an inch. The scenario was they had many enemies. Chapter 6 and chapter 13 tells about that. The enemies were not letting go, and neither were they. In uh, the 13th chapter, the 6th verse, that same book of Nehemiah. But... Well, he was away at Jerusalem for the two, for in the two and thirtieth year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, came I unto the king after certain days I obtained leave of the king. And I came to Jerusalem and understood the evil that Elishab did for Tobiah in preparing him a chamber in the courts of the house of the Lord. They built this guy, one of their enemies, a chamber in the house of the Lord. Now, you Basically, they're putting the devil in the Lord's Lord's house. That's what they was fighting. That's what they was fighting with. There was still trouble and turmoil, such as you're going to have in this world. You expect it. There'll always be an enemy hiding, trying to take over that which is good. They were separate. Verse two of chapter nine, and the seed of Israel separated themselves from the, all the strangers. We're told to be separate. The Lord will receive us. What is the need of the Lord's sheep? Well, one would say the good shepherd. What do we need to do to get this joy? Well, it's this joy has its roots in the peace that passeth all understanding that we read of in Philippians 4 and 7. It can be seen in the context here. We need the Lord. When we attend the Lord's house, we need the right amount of chastening. We need the right amount of compassion. We need the right amount of rebuke. We need the right amount of praise. And we need the right amount of praising. This is what we need from the, should get from the Lord's house. We're sinners. We must constantly be reminded. We must constantly be reminded that there's glorified self ahead. If you don't receive what you get out of the Lord's house, you're going to look for another house to go to. That's what I'm kind of saying. We all need to be fed, is what we call it. The prodigal son was starving in a far country, but repentance clothed him in the best robe along with the best ring, a feast, a fatty calf. Paul and Silas sang hymns at midnight after they'd been beaten. John 15, verse 11. Christ said, These saints have I spoken to you that your that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. What's that joy? Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in 
my love even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. And then what were they doing? We just read of Nehemiah. They were reading the law. One would say, now that's law. It only condemns. What is it we read in the Psalms, the 19th chapter? I believe it's the 7th verse. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. We're under grace, we're not under law. So what am I saying? Christ bore what our sins deserved. The law never changed. We worship on the Lord's day. The Sabbath still remains. Sabbath worship day will be reverted back to in the millennial reign of Christ. God's words never changed. He just sent his son, who is the eternal word himself, to bear away our sins and to impart spiritual life into us. And we have joy. What's the other? What's the lost have? There's no peace to the wicked, we read in the book of Isaiah. As far as the joy of salvation, no one can rightly understand it until you possess it. And as far as the joy of salvation, it can be lost, the joy of, not salvation. David wrote in the Psalms, restore, let's, let's go read it, Psalms 51, very well-known psalm. Have mercy on, upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine inequity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shaping in inequity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part of thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out mine inequities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. And we could all agree with this. We're all, we're all unworthy of the Lord's salvation and this joy, but he grants it freely. He's glorified by that. Nothing in our hands we bring. We come pleading his mercy. One man that had been a great saint lying on his deathbed was asked by one, will you not receive great rewards? He said, I will receive mercy. 
How do we obtain this victorious joy? By being faithful, for one. Having delight in God's Word, just like they did. And, uh, well, I mentioned Matthew 25, the rewarder of the servants. Well done, thou good and faithful servant, into the, enter into the joy of the Lord. The, the Gospel of John, the 13th chapter, the 17th verse. If you know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. Now that's after the Lord had washed his disciples' feet. One is happy when they carry out what God's word commands. There's no greater order. Knowing that the ransom for our sins was met... That's reason for joy, knowing that we are forgiven. Matthew 20, verse 28. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Verse 27, Whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. How do we know we have this joy? We feel it in our hearts. Is our mind upon the things of the Lord? Well, various passages. In the first John chapter three, verse two. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Being like the master, that's we're not worthy of it. You won't find any place where we're made worthy, but in ourselves, we're unworthy of it. But that's like the prodigal son. He re he repented and returned and brought a great feast. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, and gentleness gentleness, goodness, and faith. Do we find ourselves seeking these qualities, fruits? Romans, I know I'm bouncing around a lot as I always do. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, joy in the Holy Ghost. It's the joy that can be lost, and that's what we seek when we come to the Lord's house. The Lord's sheep, we know, will never perish. 
And when we think and set our minds upon these things, that brings us joy. But willful sin leaves one sad and dejected and gloomy in a state like David was. There may be many ways to lose the joy, but the salvation cannot be lost. I think I used this illustration. Robert Robinson, who wrote, Come Thy Fountain of Ever Blessing. It's a great hymn, but he went, he backslid terribly. He was in a stagecoach, and a woman was singing his song, Come Thy Fountain. She had no idea who he was. It was too much for him to take. He he confessed to her he's the man he, he longed to be the man he was when he wrote that song. Was there any joy in Adam? No. I mean Adam was cold after he'd sinned. We don't read much about Adam ever saying anything else. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. The next thing he says, The woman that thou gavest me to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. He had no joy. God gives us the joy, and God alone can give it, and he can take it away. John's Gospel, the 16th chapter, the 22nd verse. <clears throat> and you know, therefore, have, and ye now, therefore, have sorrow. This is when he told them he, he's... Basically, he told them he was going to die at Calvary. He said, But I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. What was it that inspired these lowly fishermen to lay down their lives for the testimony of Christ? That's what they did. They lived it in spirit and in truth. They know they knew the truth if anybody did. They'd walked with him for three years or so. David did not have the scriptures like we have today. He did not plead any of his deeds or actions. He pled mercy. Like I say, it's what we plead. But Isaiah 57 tells us there's no peace to the wicked. Israel as a nation exhibited a long chain of good and bad, rebellions, worshiping false gods, Sabbath breaking. Then they'd be chasing, they'd straighten up. God allowed it, but he will chasten his own chasing every son he received, we're told in the Hebrews. He still will make them 
the greatest of all nations. Then we're told in Jeremiah chapter 31, as long as this, basically I'm paraphrasing it, as long as the sun and the moon endure, so will Israel. Jeremiah 31, 35. But what are they today? Thus saith the Lord, which giveth the sun for a light by day, and an ordinance of the moon and of the stars for a light by night, which divideth the sea, and the sea waves thereof roar. The Lord of hosts is his, is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, saith the Lord, then the seed of Israel also shall cease from being a nation before me forever. Thus saith the Lord, if heaven above can be measured and the foundations of the earth stretched out beneath, I will also cast off all the seed of Israel for all that they have done, saith the Lord. They're going to be around a long time. God is saying he will not pour out his wrath upon them, but he poured it out upon his son. None of us are worthy of it. But we take it by the faith he gives us. We receive grace and mercy. And we need such for the task at hand is to become like our master. <clears throat> he does not destroy, but he rather bids come unto him. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden. In his speech, he says, talk to me, basically, and paraphrasing. Over in Matthew chapter 11, I think it's a passage I just quoted. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. You know, we live in a day and age where the soul's worn out. All the things that go on in the world, we know where it's headed. We read of a people that began to build the Tower of Babel. They wanted a life without God. And as God often does, he gives man what man asks for. This man don't usually like it when he gets it. Many years later, in the same place, a man named Nebuchadnezzar <clears throat> walking about that city. Is this not Babylon, the great that he had built? And God let him live like the animals for seven years with that disease called lycanthropy. Now, he was just an old pagan king, but he was a very, he, we call him pretty sharp man. But what was it that he said? At the same time, this is after seven years, he lived like the animals. My reason returned unto me for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and my brightness returned unto me. That don't usually happen. Usually when you lose... Such things, they're gone forever. My counselors and my lords sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. 
Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol the and honor the King of Heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. Yeah, this man he received joy. He would be the first to tell you he wasn't worthy of it. We read of another man in 1 Samuel chapter 30. He was, a, I believe, an Egyptian. In a field. 1 Samuel chapter 30. This is when David's men, and along with David, had the Amalek asked to come and take all their wives and children and goods away from them. David was greatly distressed. In verse 11, And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, and gave him bread, and he did eat, and they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs, two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou? And whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt and a servant unto an Amalekite. And my master left me because three days agone I fell sick. We made an invasion upon the south of the Kerestites and upon the coast which belongs to Judah and upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said unto him, Canest thou bring me down to the, this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. He changed leaders. This man was an Egyptian. Now he was in David's group, which was a very good place to be at that time. He was facing death and found life. A lot of types and shadows. Very interesting. He now received mercy. Did not want to go back. Did not want to go back to the Egyptian. His big break was an illness, an infirmity. David basically one place said it was well with him that he'd been sick as he was. That's in the Psalms. In the Old Testament time, the high priest went into the mercy seat once a year. You ever wonder why it's called the mercy seat? I mean, keeping of the law and mercy, two different things. The sacrifices, they were strictly demanded. How it was to be done. 
it's good for me that I've been afflicted. That's what David said. That's getting back to mercy. When Christ Jesus, the Lord, died, that four-inch veil was torn from top to bottom. That separated him the holiest place of all. And if everything wasn't carried out exact, the, the priest would perish. But now that's the throne of grace. There were restraints. It was a legal dispensation. But that was done away in Christ. We, like that Egyptian in the field, facing death, were found by the greater grandson of David. A lot of interesting things in it. Well, getting back to David in the last chapter of the last book of Samuel. I'll get there eventually. When David numbered the soldiers of Israel, the Lord was wroth with him. David was instructed to go by the threshing floor of Arana and build an altar. And that's what he did. There was a cost involved. We want joy. There is a cost involved. Only God can grant that joy. It's be like the Master. Be like Christ. Not like the world. I mean, we could ask ourselves, is there any difference between the way we live and the way the world lives? If we look in our lives, we probably say we don't do a very good job. At least I don't. David said, when Aaron, I asked, let's take up there and Verse 22 of 2 Samuel 24. Then Arana said unto David, Let my lord the king take and offer what seemeth good unto him. Behold, here be oxen for burnt sacrifice and threshing instruments and other instruments of the oxen for wood. You got all you need. The sacrifice and what to burn it with. All these things did Arana as a king given to the king. Arana was as a king given unto the king. And Arana said unto the king, The Lord God accept thy the Lord thy God accept thee. That place is still known as the threshing field of Arana. It's it's a little place in Israel that's the most fought over piece of ground in all the world. The Dome of the Rock sits upon it now, but that's not where the Lord's house was. It was on the Sides of the north, it's called. But nevertheless, the king said unto Arana, Nay, but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God of that which doth cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for fifty shekels of silver. By the way, it means it still belongs to him. 
And David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land and the plague was stated from Israel. What does our worship cost us? There is a price involved. Do we live like our master? Are we being conformed to our master and his likeness? As we already read, when we see him, we shall be like him. We should be headed that way now. That joy, what's it going to be like when we see him? That's going to be joy.